Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up tonight, the U.S. House of Representatives taking action to avert a rail strike, passing a bill to impose a labor deal on U.S. rail workers. The Federal Reserve will slow down its rate hikes, and it could come as early as next month. Stock market rallied on the news. And India launching its first digital currency pilot program. We talked to a macroeconomics expert on what he thinks about central bank digital currencies. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. The House rushed to avert a rail strike today. The chamber passed a bill that would bind railroads and workers to a proposed deal that was reached in September. Some of the unions had rejected it over issues like paid sick time. Workers have threatened to strike if they don't get a deal they like by next Friday. A strike could increase prices for Americans already grappling with high inflation. Today's vote comes after President Biden Monday asked Congress to step in. A federal law allows lawmakers to intervene in railway labor disputes. This is the first time since the 90s that Congress has used that power. The bill now heads to the Senate. If it's approved, Biden will likely sign it quickly since he requested it himself. And the Federal Reserve could pull back on the pace of its aggressive rate hikes as soon as next month. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell announced the possibility at an economic forum today. The central bank is entering a blackout period ahead of its December policy-making meeting. At that meeting, the Fed will discuss any changes to its current pace of rate increases. Thus, it makes sense to moderate the pace of our rate increases as we approach the level of restraint that will be sufficient to bring inflation down. The time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. And so far this year, the Fed has increased its benchmark lending rate six times as it tries to bring inflation under control. The policy meeting is now set for December 13th and 14th. The stock market apparently cheered the news of smaller hikes to come. Wall Street ended sharply higher today. The Dow rose 737 points, or two and two-tenths of a percent. S&P added 122 points, or three and one-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ gained 484 points, or four and four-tenths of a percent. And tech layoffs are mounting, as DoorDash lets go around 1,200 employees. The delivery app CEO Tony Xu sent out a memo to employees today that said the team grew too too quickly during the pandemic. Xu said this was the most difficult change he had to announce in the company's almost 10-year history. He went on to say that, quote, most of their investments are paying off, but they were not as rigorous as they should have been in managing team growth. The cuts represent about 6% of the staff. Shares of DoorDash are down more than 60% so far this year. These layoffs come with looming recession fears and rising inflation. Meta, Twitter, and Amazon are among other tech companies that have announced significant job cuts. DoorDash shares actually rose 9% today. Maybe investors are optimistic about its cost-cutting plan. And on to the housing market. U.S. pending home sales fell again in October. They dropped 4.6% from the month before. It's the fifth month in a row they've dropped. Compared to a month a year ago, pending home sales are down over 36%. That's the biggest year-over-year drop ever. The National Association of Realtors says October was a difficult month for home buyers because they faced 20-year high mortgage rates. The group said the West region was hit especially hard. Only the Midwest saw a gain in sales. 
The Fed is trying to cool the economy by hiking interest rates. This weakening of the housing market signals the Fed's plan could be working. And the Reserve Bank of India's first pilot for an electronic rupee will be launched tomorrow. This is its version of the central bank digital currency. A statement said that it would be issued in the same denominations that paper currencies and coins are currently issued, and it would be distributed through intermediaries like banks. Users will be able to transact with the e-rupee through a digital wallet offered by participating banks and stored on mobile phones or devices. The statement adds that the pilot will test the robustness of the entire process of digital rupee creation, distribution, and retail usage in real time. And now joining me to talk about CBDC is George Gammon. He's a real estate investor and entrepreneur and a macroeconomics expert. Now, George, I know you've talked a lot about uh, all the concerns, you know, associated with associated with CBDC. But let me ask you, is the biggest concern for you that the digital money is programmable? Is this the biggest concern? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because then what this does is this allows the Federal Reserve, the central planners, or the authoritarians to control how you spend the money, how fast you spend the money, and what you spend the money on. And it also allows them to really determine individual monetary policy. So for a moment, let's just assume that uh, you had a carbon allowance, right? Or the government said that we don't want you using more than X amount of fuel per month. Uh, well, then what they could do is they could, one of two things, either they could, uh, once you get to that allotment, let's say on, on day 20 of a 30-day month, they could simply cut off your ability to spend your quote-unquote dollars or Fed coins on a gasoline or beef or whatever they deem as, as to be dangerous. Or what they could do is they could make it prohibitively expensive. So they could also say that, okay, we'll allow you to buy that steak that you want, uh, but in, instead of uh, $10, you're going to have to pay $20, or we're just going to decrease the amount that you can uh, uh, that you can have to allocate to uh, whatever it is uh, that you want to buy and they don't want you to buy. Now, I can see this maybe in an authoritarian country, maybe in, in communist China. Do you believe the U.S. government would, would do this? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, kind of the proof that I'd give you is just recently in a tweet from the Federal Reserve, they uh, really celebrated the fact that the Canadian Central Bank is holding a conference and uh, it was a conference on is basically a woke conference on equity equity uh, inclusion diversity all these buzz buzzwords that come down from the uh, global elite i also want to ask you we know the fed is trying to lower inflation right if cbdc existed right now in the u.s what could the fed do with that oh they could just decrease the money supply uh, they could increase uh, taxes would be one way to do it. Um, but they could also uh, monitor or manage interest rates on an individual level, like we were saying earlier. So although the going rate for mortgages right now, let's say, is 7%, uh, if you use a certain amount of gas per month or eat a certain amount of beef, uh, then your interest rate would be 10%. And therefore, you're reducing the velocity, you're reducing the extension of credit, which theoretically uh, would reduce the money supply and bring down inflation. Um, 
that they, they could do several things along those lines. But the bottom line here is this gives them the ability to not only micromanage uh, the uh, economy, but micromanage everyone's lives. So, so how do we push back against this? Is it possible to not use the CBDC? What if I just use cash or if they ban cash? Can I just use credit card? You, well, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, cash is the answer. And it sounds very antiquated and old school, but if, if, if we've got to push back against them banning cash, because that's really, or any type of purchasing power that's outside of the banking system. Uh, so that could be Bitcoin, that could be gold. Uh, we have to have something outside of the system. So if they try to enforce these draconian rules, there's always a way around that, right? If they're giving you Fed bucks every single month in the form of UBI, and they say, okay, well, you've hit your allotment uh, because of your carbon score or whatever it is, then uh, you would have a purchasing power outside of that system to go ahead and fill your car up with gas if that's what you needed to do. So the key, and what it really boils down to in the system that we have now, although I think gold and Bitcoin are great to have some purchasing power outside of that system, is just if or when they try to ban cash, we have to push back against that. All right. Thank you very much, George Gammon. Great seeing you. Thanks for having me. And South Dakota is banning video sharing app TikTok on government devices. Governor Kristi Noem signed an executive order Tuesday banning state employees from using government devices in, in order to access TikTok. It also applies to contract workers. Noem blamed TikTok's Chinese ownership for her decision. She said her state will, quote, have no part in the intelligence gathering operations of nations who hate us. Back in September, TikTok refused to promise senators the company, company would not send U.S. user data to China. Although TikTok does not operate in China, it is owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance. And the debate over police robots being able to use deadly force in San Francisco has been decided. It was no easy choice, though, in a city that's generally believed to lean left on political issues. NTD Sean Marshall has details. Supervisors in San Francisco voted Tuesday to give city police the ability to use potentially lethal remote-controlled robots in emergency situations following an emotionally charged debate. Fears about a dystopian robotic uh, remote killing future, I understand the concern uh, and fear that that uh, can evoke in our society as all things technological and robotic uh, seep uh, into various aspects of our society and culture. The vote was eight to three, with the majority agreeing to grant police the option despite strong objections from civil liberty and other police oversight groups. I understand that the police have had this technology for 11 years and haven't used this, but we have now unearthed this as a subject in a way that I think has actually been counterproductive <laughs> um, in reality. Supervisors amended the proposal Tuesday to specify that officers could use robots only after using alternative force or de-escalation tactics, or concluding they would not be able to subdue the subject through those alternative means. If a decision like this spreads to other areas, it could be a financial help to the tech industry, which has been plagued by inflation and mass layoffs. 
Research firm Strategiar forecasts the global security and law enforcement robots market to reach 3.7 billion by 2026. 37% of the market's growth will originate from North America during the forecast period, according to Technavio. Robots and the robotics industry is here, but at what cost? Should people be more concerned about the distribution of power to robots? A number of robotic engineers have signed pledges not to make robots that use deadly force on humans, something brought up at the meeting before the vote. Sean Marshall, NTD News. The Biden administration has announced it's going to do more to help Native American communities. This was during his administration's second Tribal Nations Summit, where tribe leaders can meet with senior government officials. Together, my entire administration is advancing the economic agenda and making historic investments in Indian country, and I might add that are long overdue. Facing a pandemic and economic crisis that disproportionately impacted tribal nations, I invested more than $35, $32 billion in the American Rescue Plan, the largest one-time ever direct investment in Indian country in American history. And a key item in Biden's plan is giving over $100 million to 11 tribes. This is to help them relocate. Now, it's difficult for them to stay where they are because of changing environments. Eight of the tribes will get $5 million each, and three of them will get $25 million each. One of the tribes receiving $25 million is the Quinault Indian Nation. It's a legally sovereign nation located on the west coast of Washington State on the Pacific Ocean. The president of Quinault Indian Nation, Guy Kapoman, says changes in the environment have harmed his tribe. And we, we see the changes in, in um, uh, the, the, the return of salmon, in the, 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 the habitat, um, the rising tides, the, the uh, uh, melting uh, glaciers. Uh, you know, all, all of these things are occurring right here in our territory. Kapoman says that salmon are the foundation of the tribal nation's sustenance and spirituality. They've had to shut down entire seasons because the salmon are fewer and less healthy. He, he says this has affected the health of his people. He's witnessed the sea level rise above people's homes, something he's never seen in the past 50 years. For the past 20 years, he's been trying to relocate the villages to higher ground. 25 million is, is, is for sure... Um, uh, we're very gracious for for this, and and uh, very thankful, and and it's a quarter of of the cost that it's going to take to get us up to to higher ground. It's a great start. H. Sterling Burnett, a senior fellow on environmental policy at the Heartland Institute, says he believes there's little ev- evidence that greenhouse gases are causing the oceans to rise, but he says that human actions have made some coastal regions more vulnerable to rising seas. This is actions like construction of barriers, channeling of rivers, and converting coastal wetlands into big metropolitan areas. Larry Behrens is with the energy education nonprofit Power the Future. He says the Biden administration's green agenda is destroying livelihoods in traditional energy. Behrens believes giving out taxpayer dollars is a way to make themselves look better and feel better. 
my experience is through members of the Navajo Nation in Northwest New Mexico. As coal plants and coal mines are getting shut down, you see that leftist politicians and those supporting the climate change agenda are happy to just say, well, look, we gave them some millions of taxpayer dollar money and then it's okay. If you talk with uh, members of the Navajo Nation, they are often resentful about what happens when their livelihood is destroyed because these these coal plants, these uh, coal mines were built to them as a way to support their families and stay where they want to live. And multiple federal agencies will coordinate with the tribes to help them move. And we're going to take a short break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback, please email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Chick-fil-A selling merchandise for the first time ever. What kind of quirky items can you buy? And a pop-up bar in Los Angeles allows visitors to go back in time to the era of Blockbuster. But instead of videos, the VHS are drinks. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Airbnb said on Wednesday it's introducing a new listing service in the United States. The new feature will help renters find an apartment where they can host part-time. The move comes at a time when people are looking to earn additional income. High food, transportation and housing expenses continue to deepen the cost of living crisis in the U.S. Airbnb has partnered with more than 175 buildings in more than 25 cities across the United States. According to the company, renters have hosted an average of nine nights per month and earned an average of $900. Earlier this month, Airbnb said it had recorded a disproportionate 31% rise in single-room listings in the third quarter. The increase comes as more people seek extra income. And Chick-fil-A has launched its first-ever online store, and it's full of quirky merchandise. Some highlights include an I Heart Waffle Fries hoodie, a chicken for breakfast hat, and a clutch in the shape of a Chick-fil-A sandwich packaging. There's also a Chick-fil-A themed blanket and a pillow that looks like a chicken nugget. Prices range from $15 to $75. The chicken chain said it expects the products to sell out quickly, and it's already planning more merch for next year. And The Rock writes a wrong and it involves Snickers. Here's a story about redemption. Today we have Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Snickers bars in a redemption story that really satisfies. Johnson recently posted a video of himself returning to a Hawaii 7-Eleven store where, as a teenager, Johnson says, he used to steal a king-sized Snickers bar every day. Because I couldn't afford to buy one, that was my pre-workout food. So that's his secret. Anywho, The Rock decided to right his decades-old wrong by buying every last king-size Snickers in the store and even treated the other customers to their own snacks. The inspirational transaction left the shelves bare, but Johnson's heart was full. He said he finally got to exercise his chocolate demons. 
And as well, a nostalgic blockbuster-themed bar has opened in Los Angeles. The temporary pop-up allows visitors to go back in time to the era of VHS. NTD's Andrew Thomas has this story. In Los Angeles, you can go back in time to the 80s and 90s with the new blockbuster pop-up experience. Derek Barry is the head of experiences for bucket listers. He says the bar brings feelings of nostalgia. We wanted to not just create like a themed blockbuster where you went and you're like, okay, it looks like it, but like an experience where you're going to drink, you can go out and have fun, but you're, you're still experiencing what you did at Blockbuster. It's essentially renting movies and things of that nature. So we came up with this really fun concept, and the idea is just to transport, pe transport people back to a better time. The Speakeasy allows guests to come in, get their Blockbuster membership card, and peruse the VHS boxes on the shelves. All right, welcome to the Blockbuster experience. The first thing we do when we enter here is you're greeted by our lovely Blockbuster employee staff. Are you ready to make it a Blockbuster night? I sure am. So you are given one of these drink tickets right here, which is a membership card that acts as our live menu. But instead of videos, the VHS boxes represent different drinks. The libations include cocktails, beer, and wine. The really fun part and immersive part truly here is that every drink has a name and has a makeup on it. So let's just say I want the Pineapple Express. Great, love the Pineapple Express. I'm gonna make, make, make my way right over to this counter and I'm gonna hand this off to a bartender. The immersive experience is complete with blue and yellow decor throughout. Guests can relax on beanbags and even play retro video games. For those who do wanna watch a movie, the pop-up also shows iconic 80s and 90s films in the garden. The Blockbuster Bar will be on Melrose Avenue until February 2023. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And now over to Amsterdam. People there with broken electronic devices are taking them to a cafe where volunteers repair them. A team of mechanics restore the items, saving money and also keeping them out of a landfill. NTD's Andrew Thomas again has this one. Every Wednesday afternoon, these repairmen in Amsterdam come to this cafe to put their technical skills to good use. People bring along broken electrical devices such as kitchen appliances. These volunteers do their best to bring them back to life. If they can fix them, it means one less item is thrown away, and the owner doesn't have to shell out money on a replacement. It's very important because we only save around 7,000 kilos in Amsterdam that does not end up in the landfill. Also because people with tight budgets live in this neighborhood. It's nice if things can be repaired. You can choose to put one euro in our donation pot or you might lose 60 or 100 euros for a new device. It's nice if things can be repaired. This repair session is part of a network of dozens of cafes across the city where experts try to repair old items. Chris Biraput has brought in a broken coffee machine. He hopes it can be saved. I'm glad we have this workshop. The device was working well. It doesn't seem okay to throw it away. If something that might not be quite right can be easily repaired without throwing away. We will see if it can still be repaired. The volunteer repairmen enjoy giving these old electronics a new lease on life. 
Nee, het is geweldig. Het mooiste is als je s'avonds thuis komt na een dag. It's great. The best thing is when you come home in the evening after a day at work, knowing that you have helped a lot of people and made people go home very happy. Het wordt minder weggegooid. Dat is minder afval. 80% There are a lot of good things about that. It is good for the environment, less garbage and so on. About 80% of the things people bring in, we manage to fix. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all the stories from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.